0: Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber. And today we're asking ourselves the question, how do students at elite universities make sense of the admissions process, given especially the loud public critiques they hear. We're here with the author of The Diversity Bargain and Other Paradoxes of Race, Admissions, and Meritocracy at Elite Universities. Welcome to the EdCast, Natasha Warku. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. So, Professor, tell me a little bit about what this bargain is. This, this is an interesting title of a book, The Diversity Bargain. Is this some sort of notion that's come out of your research, and what does it mean?
1: So the diversity bargain um, is different in the United States and Britain. So let me first tell you about the diversity bargain in the United States, which is really the focal point of the book. So the diversity bargain in the United States is this, that um, uh, white students in the United States support affirmative action um, and are much more likely to support affirmative action, I should say, on these campuses, the Harvard and Brown campuses where I did my research, um, than adults kind of in the general public. Um, But they support it because um, it benefits themselves, right? So through this language of um, contributions to the cohort, right? So um, uh, you know, when we ask students, um, should the university consider race or ethnicity in admissions decisions, um, most students say, white students say yes, because it adds to um, the college experience. You know, it brings a diverse range of voices to the table. And there's a lot of research to back this up that shows that there are some really great benefits to diversity, so so I'm not critiquing that. The problem is that when that's the only way um, that students make sense of affirmative action and diversity, it leads to kind of some perverse um, outcomes. So one of them is that Um, When white students see affirmative action as there to benefit themselves they feel kind of upset sometimes when they see um, black and Latino students say sitting together in the cafeteria or um, joining the Black Students Association because they feel like that kind of contravenes this bargain that, you know, we support affirmative action and in return we get this, um, we get to hear your perspectives and, you know, that integration is often seen as one way. Um, Another way in which uh, kind of consequence is that they, um, uh, there's a kind of essentialized understanding of what it means to be black or Latino, right? So that if someone, you know, students said things like, uh, well, uh, that student who got that award um, was, you know, had a white, quote unquote, white experience, and so you know what it means to be Latino is a very specific, you know, usually associated with poverty, um, you know, a low-performing high school, and um, and these kinds of essentialized understandings of what it means to be a racial minority. Um, and the third um, piece of this diversity bargain is that. Um, there is this kind of script of reverse racial discrimination. So when affirmative action is only there to benefit me, then there is this anxiety that um, it might not benefit me, right? So, um, you know, even students who've gotten into Harvard said things like, "Well, if I hadn't gotten into Harvard, and the black student in my high school got in, well, then I would have felt I had experienced racial discrimination." And so, it's kind of this this way of making sense of competitive processes that emerges when you have this logic that says that this is the whole purpose of this is for your own benefit. So, this is the kind of. Um, uh, kind of bargain that, that 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 gets entered into between you know students expectations of their minority peers and of their of their university in terms of how they administer them uh, so
0: so it's fascinating research fascinating research great conclusions and, and I'm curious what that means for affirmative action both in the United States and abroad um, is this or do these findings change the way in which people look at them does it affect policy what is what is this what does this bargain now mean in terms of how we perceive affirmative action
1: yeah I mean I think part of it is that Um, the reason that the students have these views is because this is what the adults around them are saying, right? That this is what their college counselors are talking, how their college counselors are talking about that when you look at the literature on the websites of these universities, very similar language that they use when they talk about what they're looking for um, in admissions. And so, um, you know, I argue in the book that um, what I think needs to happen is that we need to have a broader kind of um, discourse about what the purpose is of affirmative action and what role that universities really want to play in addressing inequality and specifically racial inequality um, in the United States.
0: So there seems to be this notion that universities, as you just mentioned, sort of commodify what this is. Hey, we have diversity. Come here for our diversity. Is, Is there a way... Um, if there are university leaders and, and higher education professionals, is there, is there a way to get around that in terms of in the short amounts of time that you have to pitch your school or to share what your cultural or student experience is like? How, how is that represented uh, and how can it be represented better by university officials?
1: I think you know university of officials could express a real commitment to addressing racial inequality in society, um, and to say that we care about this issue. We realize it's an issue, and this is something that we um, want to do something about. And this is not just you know in. The admissions process. This is also when students actually arrive on campus. What does what does race relations look like? How are we fostering um, intercultural kind of dialogue? How, at the same time as we are supporting students who may come from, you know, having experienced very. Um, serious uh, experiences of racism and racial exclusion, and may feel ex- you know kind of marginalized on on these campuses that you know many many of which were built by slave labor and you know um, what uh, trying to help students make sense of these experiences, I think in promoting both you know support for those minority students as well as interracial dialogue, I think is what we, we really need to be focusing on. So
0: so, so through the research walks who listen to this show, I think how you sort of wrote this book but how you conducted this research is it's fascinating it's been going on for quite some time I remember talking to you about this maybe a year or two ago I mean it's, I've been looking forward for this book to come out for some time Natasha a little bit about how you conducted it and, and what you went into the research project what you went into writing this book and how maybe some of your own personal opinions or thoughts changed as the research came to pass
1: yeah, so this is, book has been a long time in the making. I started it actually when I was living in the UK. Um, I know I haven't been talking as much about the, the findings in, in, in the UK, but um, you know I, I started out because I was living there, and I was really curious about how um, people think and talk about race um, and ethnicity and, and and how they do so very differently than, than we do in the United States, and especially in higher education. Um, you know, I taught on the University of London campus, and we really didn't have any kind of discussion about race or really class and a broadening access and I was curious about this because these are public universities um, in Britain um, and um, you know I went there thinking okay we're going to talk about class in Britain the way we talk about race in the United States and that just wasn't the case and so I got, I got to thinking about how what role um, universities play in shaping students experiences and students perspectives. Um, on those campuses, whether about class or by race, but more broadly about meritocracy, about inclusion—you um, know, what is a fair system of selection—and um, so that's kind of how I the the, the kind of the questions emerge from the research, um, and ha- you know, um, and I wanted to understand how these elites make sense of selection in a highly unequal society such as Britain and the United States. So we interviewed um, students on the Harvard campus, the Brown campus, and the Oxford campus, um, with you know a these were all U.S. born and U.K. born students um, and with students, um, both students of color as well as uh, white students on all these campuses.
0: So who needs to read this book?
1: Well, I think, you know, I think there are a lot of different audiences for this book. I think, you know, t- um, I think more broadly, I think the well-educated reader should read this book because I think um, it really, you know, I hope it will shift the way that people think about why diversity and why we care about these issues. Um, and I really hope that it will sh- kind of shift public discourse on the way that we think and talk about race and also meritocracy and, and fairness um, and equity. Um, I also hope that, uh, you know, administrators in higher education will read this and it will shape the way that they think about doing this kind of work, both in admissions and how we talk about admissions, but also in, you know, developing race relations on campus um, as well. Um, and lastly I think that you know um, high school students parents I think will have something to learn from this and thinking about how they talk about these issues again you know parents talking to their children about you know what what to expect when they go to these campuses and um, what to how to think about some of these issues so um, everyone
0: yeah everyone. the the comparative (laughs) international piece, I love both both sides of the pond Uh, and then just one one last question Uh, as you as you are looking to the future of how we talk about race and diversity uh at the university level who, who is doing something right right now where, where can we find hope what's an example of of good conversations happening that brings you hope that you hope that more and more people do to uh, bring a, a better sense of diversity to the world
1: yeah that's a great question one of the models that I really like that I talk about in the conclusion of the book is um, the intergroup dialogue uh, model at University of Michigan. They've been doing this for a number of years and have had a lot of research around it, where they bring um, two groups together. If this is a group that's um, focusing on gender, they'll bring a, a cl- it, it, and it's a class, a semester-long class. They'll have they'll be half women and half men. If it's a if it's a group about race, they'll have half students of color and half white students. Um, and they get and they um, focus in on Talking, you know, understanding the history and how these kind of ideas get constructed. They look at how, you know, systematic inequality has been produced over the last century. Um, But they also talk, you know, they also have an emphasis on social justice and understanding how to promote equity. Um, and also dialogue and just talking across lines of difference and building a space in which students can talk across lines of difference. So I think all of those elements are really important and I really um, like the way that they do that there. Um, it's, it's a lot of work, it's intensive, um, but I think that's what it takes.
0: Go buy this book today. The name of it is The Diversity Bargain and Other Paradoxes of Race, Admissions, and Meritocracy at Elite Universities. Natasha, thanks as always for being on the EdCast. And thanks for having me. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening.